I'd like for you to remember a time when someone went out of their way to help you. Maybe it was the time you were carrying the groceries from the car to the house and your neighbor ran over and opened the storm door. Maybe it was the time you had that flat tire in the church parking lot and somebody came and helped you change it. Whatever it is, try to remember what the emotion was that you were feeling after and even during the time they were helping you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You feel gratitude that they went out of their way to be of assistance to you. Now imagine you are facing some sort of mortal damage. I mean, life or death. And someone steps up. And more than being of assistance to you or helping you, this person actually exchanges his or her life for your life. They die, you live. Because they die, you live. Now you're feeling something very different than gratitude, though it's probably still there. What you're feeling now is a deep sense of indebtedness. How could I ever repay what you have done for me? How? What do you do with that? That is exactly the situation John is describing in the third chapter of his gospel. You see, John says, God did not just send Jesus into the world to teach people. He didn't just send Jesus into the world to deliver a message. No, God is sending Jesus into the world to die on a cross. For us. Martin Luther calls this scripture the very, the gospel in a nutshell. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will have life eternal. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but wants to save the world. Jesus died so that the world might have life, so that you might have life. And we are blessed because of the cross. We have life because of the cross. David Luz is pastor of Mount Olivet Lutheran Church in Minneapolis. Maybe there are first cousins or something. David calls today's scripture the scandal of the cross. And when I read this, it just shook me. He says it's scandalous because God does not ask for our opinion before sending Jesus to die. God doesn't ask our permission, doesn't even consult with us whether we want this to happen or not. God just goes ahead and does it, sends Jesus to die for us. 
at the center of our sanctuary is a baptismal font. It contains the water that all Christians have gone through, whatever your denomination. And we practice infant baptism here at Mount Olivet. And David Luz says, think about the scandal of infant baptism. I mean, here we bring children to the baptismal font before they can offer their consent, before they can say yes, before they can say no. How offensive is that? You ought to at least wait until they are of age and can make that decision for themselves. But we don't. Because God's love is there, and God's love has been there since they were conceived. And we are bringing them and acknowledging God's love in their lives. You see, the heart of infant baptism, when you think of it, is that God just plain adopts us. God makes us God's own and pledges to be with us and for us forever, whether we want it or not, whether we're ready, whether we're interested, whether we're eager to receive it or not. Maybe we should add some words to what pastors Tear and I say at baptism and say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, like it or not. That's God's love. It's unconditional. It's always there. Reminds me of battles I would have with our children when they were younger. Papa, I hate you, one of them would say. You've heard this. I know you may hate me and you're entitled to your emotions, but I love you. No, you can't love me. I hate you. You have to hate me. No, no, I will always love you. Well, will you love me if I hit my brother or my sister? I wouldn't like it. They wouldn't like it. But yes, we'd still love you. And this would go on and on. And my hope is that finally there came that moment when they realized there was nothing they could do where my love would turn against them. My love for them was and is unconditional. I'll always love them, whether they like it or not. And they can either accept it, or they can run from it. And that's the way it is with God. If God makes God's great love for the world and us conditional, then suddenly we have a whole lot of power in this relationship. We can negotiate with God. Look, God, will you still love me if I do this? Well, no. Well, then I'll do it and you won't love me. I'm controlling you. We can threaten to reject God's love. We can negotiate with God, but no, we can't. God loves us just the way we are, completely, unconditionally, and when God just goes out and dies for us without our permission or our consent or our opinion. Well, there's nothing we can do to influence God because God's in charge. 
God has already made the decision toward you and toward me. We can run, but we cannot change the fact that God loves us, that God, in fact, loves the whole world more than we can even imagine. This is good news. Good news. The best news. But it's hard to accept. Hard because we're not in control. Hard because it's not up to us. Hard because every time we hear how much God loves us, we also know that we had nothing to do with it. We cannot influence it. We're out of control. We are not in control. But on the other hand, because we're not in control of this relationship, we realize this is the one relationship in our lives we can never dismiss because God's taken responsibility for this one. That doesn't mean we're off the hook, though. Once we've been loved this much by somebody, by God, once we've been loved this unconditionally, this completely, we want to take that love and share it with others. We want to honor God. We want to share the news of what God has done. We want to be a witness to those whom we meet about who this God is that loves us unconditionally and completely. God loves us like it or not. We're going to sing a hymn in a few moments, and when that hymn's over, we're going to stand, and we're going to look at each other, and we're going to share with each other the things we did this week that we should not have done, and the things we did not do that we should have. We call it the prayer of confession. We won't get too specific. <laughs> but when we get to the end of that, don't be surprised if I look at you and say, don't forget, you are forgiven because God loves you, like it or not.